0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I just want to give a special thank you to you awesome listeners. You guys brought it with the uh, the questions for Paul Spore and myself, the starting pitchers for 2022. I scrapped the entire outline, and we just did your guys' questions. So going forward, if you guys got a bunch of questions for my guests, we'll just rock and roll. And I didn't read each question. I see a list of uh, starting pitchers. So I want to give you guys credit now. That helped out create this awesome episode. Brian P. Vogel, Joe McHugh, Brian Matthews, Skilo, mino centaur aso eco um michael simeon whole camels jwc 83 mark gannon uh ryan roof good buddy there tim wyatt mike carter uh dustin McComas, and steve bruns so thank you guys for your awesome questions and pictures to talk about on today's show again if you guys could rate and review the podcast on itunes i truly would appreciate it. if you want to watch the show it's over on the fantasy DJ's um YouTube channel, so you can check that out as well. But Most importantly, thanks for listening. Keep the great questions coming. We'll keep the great content coming for you to get you ready for the 2022 baseball season. But for now, Bench with Bubba. Episode 407 with the one, the only, Paul Sporer. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 407. Got a special guest rejoining me for uh, like the third or fourth time on the show. It's going to be fun to, to chat it up with him yet again and actually get to see him in person, hopefully, this weekend, which will be great to see. You guys definitely know him uh, all over Twitch with MLB The Show or everything else there. Fangraph, Sleeper in the Bust. He's been around, done all the stuff and things. You can find him on Twitter at Spore Paul Sporer. How are we doing, man? I'm
2: doing well, Bubba. How are you?
1: I'm doing great doing good good it's uh playoff baseball's great it's mm-hmm. good to kind of uh... As you know, we don't really stop, but it's good to kind of take maybe a couple of miles per hour off the
2: the, the wagon Exactly, exactly. Like, I didn't do my chat today, take a couple yeah. chats off during October, just downshift a little bit, but then turn it right back up in November, and that's just the way you have to be to kind of stay yeah. competitive. It, it's all dependent on what you want to do, too. If you're playing a home league and everyone's kind of getting started in February together, you're not behind. But if you're trying to stay competitive in, like, NFBC stuff – You got to grind all offseason, really.
1: I've been learning that the last few years, and you obviously crushed it this year. Big, big showing in the NFPC, so congrats on that to start with. But um, before we get going – I kind of told them where they could find you, but let them know what you got going on, where they, what they can expect
2: from you pretty soon. So, you know, like I said, a little bit of a downshift in October, but uh, over at Fangraphs, we're still running stuff daily. we still got a few pieces going up every day. We'll kick it back into another gear in November. Got the podcast going. Again, scheduling, a little intermittent at this point dialing it right back up in November. October is really the only breathing room for us on Twitter at You Find me everything there. If you ever just want to come talk baseball all off season on Twitch, twitch.tv slash You don't have to be a video gamer. I play baseball games. I play Madden. I play 2K. But we're always talking all different sports, right? I did a Madden stream today. We were talking baseball playoffs because it's all about sports. So if you want to get your sports fixed, especially baseball in the off season, come through on the Twitch. Just hang out and chat.
1: Yeah, two things about Twitch that makes me laugh. First, I blame you for the Welsh and Bogman. Um, I love so, that they're on now. Like I, I it I is have a, my fault. I record with Bogman all the time. And he's like, well, I got to do Twitch. I'm like, what? We have to, what? We're rescheduling around your Twitch now? <laughs> <laughs> so we got that. And then um, it's really funny. I don't think I ever told you this. Like the very first time I had you on a while back, um, this is like basically saying what you're saying. You don't have to like video games or you like sports, whatever. Um, I was having lunch with my wife's friend and her husband and stuff. And uh, we were talking about my show, and I said, "Yeah, I'm mean, gonna have Paul Spore on my show when I get home tonight or something." And he's all the Twitch guy, and I'm, that's amazing. <laughs> and he doesn't play fantasy baseball or anything. And I'm just like I love laughing, that. going, "I'm like this guy, this guy over here." I is, love that.
2: It made it's me so laugh. Like, it's because it's, it's an avenue, man. I tell you, like. This is not a huge number, but when you consider that I play MLB the show almost exclusively, I'd say 15 to 20 percent of my audience doesn't even have a PlayStation. They don't have MLB the show like they they're not they're there just to hang out, talk baseball they they end up start engaging with the MLB the show stuff because they they're around it, but you don't have to be a video gamer to come and have have a good time and talk baseball. If you like yeah, baseball, it, you will have a good time. Yeah, that's why it surprised me
1: like blew me out of the water. What's like, what? so it, that's it, so it good. so funny. I love but that. I, I meant to tell you that I totally forgot. So I
2: appreciate that story though. I like that.
1: Um, before we get into the select pictures, because you your listeners crushed it, that's all I have to say. Like I had an old, whole yes, outline put together and that got thrown out the window. So we're going with what you guys want today. But before we get there, I just kind of want Paul's general thoughts on this because I've been asking a lot of people because it was a weird year, you know, going into the year, sure. 60 game season, what do we do? Like it, it was tough. Now we get the full year. We thought workloads, well, some guys went much longer than we thought. So it's kind of a weird deal. Looking back, what was the hardest part with dealing with the starting pitcher landscape this past year?
2: Uh, Innings, I think. Workloads and understanding kind of where teams were going to go and navigating that. Um, There was a lot of talk about it early in the year. For me, it was something that I wasn't aggressively focused on in the draft because I don't, I just don't think we had a good handle on it. You know, we heard a couple teams come out and talk about plus 100 over the previous year, but I knew that wasn't going to be a hard and fast number. We knew Milwaukee was going to be competing. Were they going to just stop, stop dead at a hundred plus innings for uh, Woodruff Burns and Peralta hundred more than they had last year is what that means, by the way. Uh, no. So navigating that was tough though. And, you know, we saw, guys would get the extended rest or skip a star type of deal. Phantom ILs. I think that was the hardest part. And just overall, everyone kind of coming to grips with the fact that last year really didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like we tried to say, how much does it matter? This, that, or the other, the answer in almost every case was markedly lower than we thought, markedly less than we thought in terms of what it meant. And from the from the good or bad and we got into a lot of confirmation bias if we liked the guy and he didn't have a good 2020 we discounted it if he had a good 2020 we started to read into it i think the general fantasy community approached 2020 improperly and uh, we had to kind of make up for it on the fly because i think i think this year getting a whole another full year helped us realize just how little 2020 meant
1: well, I know, like, you know, Eno and those guys that kind of had a little bit of an inside look to things. Mm-hmm. They they were talking to, to different pitchers, talking about how much they were doing on the side and this and that. Like, even guys said, when the season was over, I went through for another month to, like, keep my arm going. Like, yep. things that not all of us were privy to, but it turned out maybe all of them were doing this.
2: Type exactly. Thing. <laughs> and that's, the, that's <laughs> so. the thing. We had so much incomplete information yeah. that we just didn't know how to navigate it. So we were making choices on faulty or incomplete info. And that's what made it tough. I thought and it was like
1: Bob Nightingale was our only reporter. It was horrible, but, um, let's do the opposite. Yeah. With the difficulty of 2021, uh, are you, are you doing anything different for 2022 or are you kind of back on, Hey, things are good again. Let's just roll.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Obviously, you still have 2020 there in the purview because you can't just go off of the previous year. I think that's another overall mistake that fantasy folks make. And I, I'm not casting aspersions, I include myself among this, where we get too narrowly focused on the previous year, forgetting the year or two before that. You know, a lot of uh, the most base projections are three year averages, right? I think we forget how those other two years still matter, so we still have that middle year of 2020 in between the two full seasons. What do we do with that? Again, I'm lowering the the impact of that substantially when I start to look at three year averages and things of that nature. So that's just how it's going to be. I, I'm going to put a little weight on it, and give it a little credence, but for the most part, 19 and 21 are going to drive what I'm looking at for 22.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. 1921 is a big way. Like Robbie Ray is a perfect example. Even if you want to pull back 2018, outside of the walks, all the other peripherals were great, and he mm-hmm. just cut back on the walks. Now, could you predict that kind of cutback? Probably not. But we could probably look at stuff like that with a lot of pitchers and and get some interesting, even hitters, and, and get some yeah. interesting uh, breakdowns on things. Like part of me wants to do like a, a, go all the way back to 18 and do those three full years. And if you want to keep the, the 60 in there, sure. But I that's don't blame almost, you. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how we all break it down. It's going to it to be another fun year until we get kind of hopefully back to some normal uh, thoughts there. Last but not least, wins were very difficult. That was a topic of conversation on oh, any God, podcast yes. you listen to. It was ridiculous. If you're in quality starts leagues, they were just as bad Worse. because most guys weren't going six yeah. innings. It was like, it was just a, a weird, weird deal. So in tout words this year, I was in kind of the guinea pig league where we used innings pitched. And I had Alex Fast and uh, Chris Towers on last episode. And we talked about it. It was kind of a interesting way to look at it, it kind of rewarded the good and the bad. Um, and it kind of might be an interesting angle where do you stand like do you just still want to keep the wind do you like the quality start do you want to see something different how do you look at that situation
2: I'm open to kind of anything I'm amenable to what because all we're ever doing is setting up a set of strictures to live in and when we have to figure out that game right Um, you know to hard line and say we can't use this we have to use that can't do that it's like no, no, you can do what you want. You just have to win within that circle. And I don't think that fantasy baseball has to perfectly replicate on-field real-life baseball because it's never really going to unless you play something like score sheet where you are getting wins and losses based on your offense and defense. So I'm open to like wins plus quality starts, but I've always suggested that that innings is the right move. And I know the first pushback people say is, well, then you can just spam innings. But yeah if they're horrible they're still going to hurt mm-hmm. you like the ratios are still there protecting any sort of shenanigans there now you could maybe find somebody who wants to game it and they build a two month lead with relievers and like two aces and then all relievers so they build that that ratio uh, uh foundation and then they spam innings the rest of the way for strikeouts and hopefully get some good ratios if they think they're good at streaming and maybe that would work but you're not guaranteed that you can just pick up all the innings and there is no downside. The ratios still keep a downside. So I'm okay with innings pitch. Did you, did you enjoy it? Did you see anybody really being rewarded for using negative pitchers uh, consistently?
1: Because that's always the
2: only pushback I hear.
1: Yeah. And that's the big thing It's because you could say you could, you know, stream pitchers and collect innings. But like you said, and we saw it perfectly this last year, how many of those two-start pitchers did not go so well? Oh, my and gosh. And, so and if, bad. If anything, you got two starts and maybe 10, 10 innings out of it. Yep. And it's like, so in the end, you're seven, six or seven out of another guy was a lot better. So that was the conclusion we kind of came to. It's like, sure, you can get lucky once in a while. But if you did it all the time, it'd be way worse for you. Like, you might rack up the strikeouts just because of quantity. That's how it works. But your ratios are going to be just destroyed. Exactly. absolutely destroyed, And, 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 you, and beyond repair sometimes, too, if you yeah, go too far right with time. it. Like like if you did the Gomber week and then you never went back to Gomber and then all of a sudden you went with Bailey Ober before Bailey Ober got good. And it's yep. like Matt Manning, just go down that list. Just think about those ratios real quick. And it gets nasty. Flip side, like I'm a Giolito fan. How many blown wins did that bullpen give oh. him? But he still got you six to seven innings every start. So you got rewarded for that. Exactly. And that's where it's kind Which of good you deserved. Well. so I So we, we discussed it. By the end of it, I think we were kind of inclined to be fans of this innings pitch thing because it rewards quality pitching. Now, sure, you have to be kind of creative on how you want to, you know, maybe get an uptick in strikeouts or whatever. It depends. That's part of the strategy. That's part mm-hmm. of the game. But I think it, this might be the way to reward the best pitchers for now. Yeah, I think in the so way too. the baseballs goes. We'll and, see.
2: And I'm OK with it. I know that, you know, NFVC is probably not going to do a hard switch and yeah. um, changes like that are difficult and 10 year established home leagues and things. But. here's the thing, too. You're never committed to it. You can do one year of innings. You guys hate it. You go back to wins plus quality starts or just wins or just quality starts or whatever. We can always move around and adjust things, but we're trying to find something that's more of a balance that works. And with so many four inning starts or just sub five inning starts, the quality start wasn't even the good solution to the wins problem.
1: Yeah, and it's like as the game continues to evolve, we have to evolve, basically. Exactly. Otherwise Because it got to a point with the wins this past year where it was just silly. Like when uh, Suter is almost leading baseball on wins, obviously Urias had 20, but Suter had, what, 13, 14 wins for the Brewers? Yep. Like,
2: come on. That's like, crazy. What are you doing here? That's crazy. And, you know, there were probably some folks that jumped on him early enough to get – eight of those because he was starting to rack them up decent little pitcher so people probably putting them in i wonder speaking of evolution you know for close to maybe having to move on from steals just because they're so uh they're so scarce are they almost too scarce are they almost too fluky Uh, i don't know i don't think we're there yet but i wonder if that's something that we have to start looking at and adjusting that knob a little bit
1: it's very possible. Like, I, there, it, yeah, if you, it's basically this last year. If you had like Whit Merrifield or Starling Marte or something, you like, kind of just ran away with things. Yeah, you, you were at least to Mer- Yeah, you were in the top area of. You were good. You didn't have to worry about things. So, mm-hmm. it is very very interesting to think about that. You know, there's the saves, qual- uh, saves, a hold situation. Yep. There's, there's a that's lot of become
2: things. a crazy yes. landscape now because teams across the league are realizing that your best pitcher doesn't necessarily have to be your close. Your best reliever doesn't have to be your closer using them in the seventh inning of a sticky situation. That makes a lot of sense. And I respect that as, as a baseball Baseball. mind as a fantasy dork, I hate it though. So it's it's that push pull where I, I get what they're doing, but stop doing that. Yeah, exactly enough, enough with that already. So
1: yeah, it'll be interesting. There's a lot of ways to kind of mix and match things. And, and see how things go. But I think, like you said, keep an open mind to trying things. It's not the end mm-hmm. of the world. And FPC won't because they have their structure, and the structure works great. There's nothing exactly. wrong with that. There's no, like no need works, to fix it. Boom. But, you know, if you want to get creative in other ways, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Definitely. All right. Let's talk some pictures here. I will credit all the listeners at the end because I, I kind of just jumbled everything together. So it's easier okay. than going tweet by tweet here. But we'll just go down in order. And the only picture that was mentioned more than once, and he was mentioned three times, Joe Ryan of the Minnesota Twins. This guy was awesome. We saw him get traded from Tampa Bay in the Nelson Cruz deal. He goes and pitches in the Olympics. and was awesome. He even spoke out and said, why don't we use the Olympic baseball? It has the perfect amount of stickiness on it. We'll see how that goes. But then he yeah. comes back and his deals for the Twins in five outings. You want to talk about a guy with quality starts. He had five innings or more in four of them. Only, but, and he had three runs or less in four of them. So like he, he would have gotten screwed by the quality start also. But what's your thoughts on Joe Ryan? Because that helium just
2: kept going up after every single start last year. It, it, it really did, but he was really, really intriguing. I, I I didn't know a whole lot about Joe Ryan until uh, coming into this season and kind of seeing some stats, doing some minor league uh, uh, stat scouting leader, you know, stat uh, leaderboard scouting, I should say, just put in some thresholds and kind of see who pops based on strikeout minus walk things like that, and he kept jumping up but he was 25 coming into the year. So it's a little bit of an older prospect. Um, and you look in, you're like, well, what, you know, doesn't throw super hard, but this fastball is great. Turns out heavily deceptive just remarkably deceptive the way he throws at the angle at which Joe Ryan throws his fastball hitters are expecting something totally different. So it's a major adjustment, like based on the arm angle that he normally throws, it should react one way and his reacts a totally different way. He has great command as well. He doesn't walk guys. He has command and control by the way, which uh, are definitely two different things. And, I was super impressed by him, especially because he was able to hold his strikeout capability, 30% rate with a 12% swinging strike. There's a lot to like here. I have a hard time not being really invested in Joe Ryan next year at age 26. He's almost pretty much fully formed at this age. Uh, great foundation. I love somebody with command and control like this, the swing and miss capability. I think he's got all the tools here. I know the helium is going up. He's got, the, he's got four pitches. One of them to show me the curve's basically a show me at 8%. But I, I can't really find much not to like here. In fact, you look at the 405 ERA, the ERA indicators like Sierra and FIP are saying even better. 342, 343, respectively. The whip was excellent. I love this guy. And uh I think even as helium goes, it'll still probably cap out at a very affordable price. Like I think even the most aggressive drafts outside of an outlier here or there, but even you know, the the upper, uh, the top. 90 percentile of his draft spots i still think that those are going to be affordable for joe ryan so i'm in yeah
1: i'm with you it's going to be interesting because if like i'm thinking maybe sp3 is where people might start going for him i'm hoping sp4 would be great but, love like, to get him as a yeah i'm trying to be realistic here and thinking 80 ish 75 80 ish is probably mm-hmm. maybe i'm wrong i haven't done all my rankings at, at all yet but just spur of the moment here and um It'll be interesting to see where your team build is at that point in time. To see where you want to go with him, because I've actually done a draft.
2: To, yeah, uh, so, sorry to interrupt. You. I, I've actually done a draft, so I wanted to see where he went in that draft. He went. Would you, would you, you're going to like this, and if if he lives around here, we're going to be all over this, and he'll move up from here. But he went 17th round of a Ooh. 15 teamer with. <laughs> yeah, that's not some happening. very you know some very uh, seasoned NFC folks. Interesting. So. You know, I don't think that's where he's going to live. Like I said, Savali went to the same team in the 13th round. I think Joe Ryan could be in that realm. Yeah, And I'll pay that, though. And yeah. if you look at this team, he had Alcantara, Freed, Luis Garcia, Savali. Ryan was his fifth. Wow. So if you get Ryan as your fourth, I'm loving yeah. that. And you and I just said we'd be open to third, especially if okay. I have a premium ace. Yes. If I get an ace in the first two, three rounds, uh, a second guy in the next – Uh, five to six rounds and then Ryan as my third, I'd be okay with that. I would want him as my fourth. If I was doing more of a a heavy volume situation with pitching where I got some more early pitchers. but either way, love him. I think the skills are legit. And the only real issue I saw was a little bit with his home run rate. He does allow fly balls, balls. but good number of pop-ups to go with that. At least in the minors that didn't quite translate this year uh, with the infield fly ball rate. But he does have that in his arsenal, so even that home run issue doesn't completely bother me. And the fact he doesn't walk anybody means yeah. that's a lot of solo shots.
1: Yeah, yeah that's the thing we always say with like the Scherzers and the Coles of the world, Verlanders. Go give up your home runs; they're solo shots. I don't care. Keep throwing and, and the they, cheese and throwing it past them.
2: Okay. Exactly, and they know when to attack. They're throwing ninety-five down the down down the uh, down the plate, but it's with a four-nothing lead. So if they make it four-one, they don't yeah. care. And nine out of ten times, they're getting a whiff on it anyway. Yep, exactly.
1: 100% with you. So, yeah, if Ryan's going later, I'd be a big fan of that one. I I, I thought the helium would have been higher. I was wrong, and I'm glad I was wrong on that one. Let's hope it, uh, it'll come up, like you said. But let's hope it sticks in that range. Let's go to your backyard, the Detroit Tigers, where things are going in the right direction. That's for darn sure. I I know you had to have liked what you saw this year, and Casey Mize was one of them. It was, it was a weird year for Mize. Uh, he kind of was up and down, and they shut him down for a little bit, and then they limited mm-hmm. his innings at the end. All all in all, a pretty solid, solid season. Should be ready to rock and roll full go next year.
2: So where do you see uh, Mize going, and, and how do you see his 2022? I'm really intrigued by him, and I, I think the comp that I keep going to in terms of a statistical comp, uh, I'm not I'm not trying to compare how they pitch, just to trying to get people's minds uh, around a, a f- some figures, would be peak Jordan Zimmerman. Now, I know the last memories of Jordan Zimmerman were very bad when he was with Detroit, and then I think he pitched with Milwaukee for like a few innings this year. He fizzled big time. Washington Peak Zimmerman, though, I think is what Mize can be, meaning he's a workhorse who goes a bunch of innings, doesn't walk too many guys, puts up some great seasons. Not a huge strikeout guy. The way he'll get those strikeouts though is volume. I think one thing that we we don't see as much anymore because volume has come down. Guys can go 200 plus innings, and you know they don't have a great strikeout rate, but they still get to that 160 strikeout threshold overall because of how much volume they pitch. I think that's where Mize is going to be. I really liked his development this year as a Tigers fan, watching the pitchers develop, all three of them really, Scoobo Mize and even Manning had had a few more ups there at the end of the year, even though overall it wasn't a great season. I was really impressed. Mize especially, he really came watching his evolution from start one to, to, to start 30 was super impressive. They managed his innings late, which I respected. Uh, I think he's really set up to blossom and like I said, that Jordan Zimmerman peak is, is what I keep coming back to.
1: That's not a bad one. Like you said, a lot of people might not remember that day, those days, but quality, quality arm in the rotation, put up the innings you're looking for. So uh, it's interesting. The strikeouts are the my biggest concern. That's why I always went to Scoobal, but Scuba seemed more volatile as well. So it, uh, it was always interesting with those two, but definitely going in the right direction. Let's talk volatility. And we all loved Aaron Nola. Most of us loved Aaron Nola. And you looked at his season, and every time you look at it, like, oh, the peripherals are saying this isn't good. This Like, he's good. He's fine. Look at the rage, Like, the, the FIPS, the x FIPS Sierras, it still never panned out. Strikeouts were always great. Just kept getting shelled. So what
2: are you doing with Aaron Noah? <laughs> I mean, it, it was frustrating because yeah. you had so many expectations of him, and every time it looked like he turned a corner, like you're saying, it, it, it would it would come unglued. And I think what we really, and this kind of goes back to our early conversation about looking at more of a holistic picture. A lot of folks are going to use 21 as kind of the end all be all of where NOLA is. I think that will be a mistake, but that's a mistake that we can capitalize on. I should say, I'm saying a general we. I don't know if you actually like NOLA specifically, but based on the, the, um, uh, the theory we were talking about, about looking more at the previous season's, His skills didn't really change. The homers went up a bit. The Babbitt was a a four-year high. I put year in quotes for 2020, but a four-season high at 308. And his left-on-base rate was a career – wait, pardon me, second second worst. Uh, Left-on-base rate, 67%. So those are some factors there that – those can be ironed out. I didn't really see a skill drop off for NOLA that has me concerned in any real tangible way. Again, you look at the ERA indicators uh, 326 FIP, uh, excuse me, 326 Sierra, 337 FIP. That's fantastic. That tells me that his core skills are still there. Few things to tighten up. Part of it is the defense, which he's been dealing with his whole career in Philly. They've never really had a good defense behind him. So he has to try to figure out how to account for that. But overall, especially if they went out and and tightened up the infield defense, I'd be, and even the outfield defense, because he's kind of a neutral fly ball, ground ball guy. I'd be back in on Nola, uh, particularly if there is a discount associated, which I believe there will be, because like I said, I think a lot of people will play off of this year a little bit too heavily and leave him as a potential value.
1: Yeah, I'm 100 percent with you. Like like you said, we go back and look at it and I used the Robbie Ray example earlier, but best strikeout rate um of his career outside of 2020, best walk rate of his career, best K to walk, you know, the average was you know higher than it's been recently, but that you could be the Babbit but that goes with the uh the defense you mentioned. The whip was fine. Um you look at a lot of his it, just peripherals in general the home run rate, it felt like it was going through the roof. But in general, 2019 was 17.4% home run for five ball, 135 this last year. Um, there's a lot to still like with Aaron Nola. That's what's frustrating about it. Very, very frustrating about it is seeing all that success and, uh, and not in success at the same time. So uh, I'll be in on him as well. If there's a discount, I will be 100% be there. I have a hunch, as you know, the more and more people talk about it come March, people will be back in on Aaron Nola, might not be the, you know second round Aaron Noah but it'll be the third round Noah but just for sure a, a and value.
2: there's a there's a benefit there's pluses and minuses to everything but there can be a benefit to guys like Nola of drafting early, early. Um, sure. and you can get those discounts but then you, you will watch that price go up and then once spring hits and he throws his first you know quality outing in spring people will be right back in on Noah so you're right there but if you are a winter drafter or or a fall drafter or an even a uh, winter drafter, think you can get nola at a better price than you will in march but if he has you know no issues in the offseason comes into spring sharp nola will be back in that third second third round area but right now you might be able to get him in the fourth in some drafts which is a great great price for him
1: outstanding let's talk youngster josiah gray for the washington nationals got traded in the turner and scherzer deal from the dodgers and it was kind of an up-and-down go early on. Uh, limited the damage for the most part. They started getting up a ton of home runs. Mm-hmm. Strikeouts are wishy-washy, but finished very, very well. Kind of hopefully giving us a sign of things to come
2: in 2022. Where do you stand, guy? Just i agree? I stand pretty firmly in his camp, especially because I don't think he's going to be too expensive. And there's, there's a growth profile here that can really work. Obviously he ran into the home run issues. Uh, They really came back to bite him. He didn't really have these issues in the minors. This started in AAA this year. We gave up a ton of homers, Uh, but That might have been a long time coming because he's always been a fly ball guy. So maybe he was just kind of, you know, keeping the the fly balls in the park and getting pop ups in the minors. But this year it kind of came to a head. Major leaguers didn't miss. And then what it trickled down to, I think, was that walk rate ballooning because he started to be a little bit more afraid to pitch in the zone, understandably, because he was allowing so many homers. I think there is a great foundation here with the swing and miss and anybody at age 23 who comes in the league and can miss bats at a, at a 25% clip or higher. I'm going to be interested in uh, just as a general rule, even when they have issues to iron out, he needs to get the homers in order, but Josiah gray is somebody that I think the the Nats are going to stay committed to. Obviously he's a massive piece in that, in that trade. Uh, well, I got two dogs coming in here. They want to talk about Josiah gray and, uh, uh I, I really like Josiah Gray, though. Again, I think he's going to be a late-round guy that you can get pretty cheap. Uh, I don't think there will be any crazy off-season helium. So I will be in on, on him and take advantage of those strikeouts and see if he can develop. And he's an easy guy that if it doesn't work early, you just you just move on from him and shower 10- and 12-team leagues.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that one. I think uh, Gray is quite intriguing. He's just going to get better with his age, too, which is good to see. This is one I'm I'm not all in on. I know there's some very smart people like James Anderson and others that love Ashby, Aaron Ashby of the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, he had a, a good season, an up-and-down season, strikeout stuffs there. He's had walk problems in the minors, and the home runs were a plenty this year. Mm-hmm. So what's your take on Aaron Ashby? He's a guy that – I feel like I'm going to be
2: okay being wrong on if I'm wrong type thing. I, I do like hearing that James Anderson isn't in on him. Whenever smart people yeah. are, are in on somebody that you like as well, you, you feel good about that. And James Anderson's awesome. Uh, and I really like Ashby as well. I I, I lean closer to that side there. Uh, Part of it comes from just blind, I don't want to say blind trust. That makes it sound like I'm not doing any research or or figuring out, but I do have a trust in Milwaukee's pitching development. They are one of those teams that gets the benefit of the doubt, like a Cleveland, um, like a Miami, Miami's park helps, but also their development, Uh, the giants, again, same thing, park and development combo there. So there's certain teams that you give a little extra to Tampa Bay, uh, Milwaukee has joined that realm, and I think with Ashby's foundation, this is a guy that they can certainly build. Now, here's the thing. You have to be ready to be wrong in 22 about him if you're a believer because the old adage, and I did not coin this, but it's one of my favorite, prospect growth isn't linear. It's something I had to learn. I, I looked for stair-step prospect growth and just – the EKG aspect of it would always trip me up in my earlier days. I'd be like, I don't understand. And then I would overreact to that and say, well, I shouldn't have been in on this guy. He turns out he sucks. And then he would pop the year after. And I had this whole situation across all fantasy sports where I was a year ahead so often uh, in basketball the year before Derrick Rose won the MVP all over him. And he was okay, I believe, because he was really great when he first started. But he won the MVP the next year, the year after I wasn't drafting him everywhere. Um, but baseball, it's happened. I can go through – I think I actually still have a file somewhere on my old computer <laughs> of all the guys that I was a year early on. So I'm open to that being the case with Ashby. I'm going to buy because it is going to be dirt cheap. It will be even cheaper than, than Josiah Gray. He'll be a dollar guy because he might not even have a rotation spot guaranteed. But I'm going to take this shot – on the foundation that he has understanding though that it'll be a quick leash and if he just doesn't quite have it this year or doesn't get that starter spot in due time uh, early in the season I'll move on but I like the talent here from Ashby and I like how he rebounded from that disastrous debut that he had which you never know how it affects guys mentally right a lot of guys bounce back they're professionals they, they've they dealt with failure before baseball as you've heard a million times is a game of failure so I didn't think he was going to melt down and not be able to figure out how to navigate the majors, but he was clobbered, and that's that's a yeah. tough one to wear, and then have to wait two months to to uh, to avenge it. But he came up, pitched well out of the bullpen, uh, a few blowups here and there against quality teams. Bottom line, I like Ashby. I'll take him as a very cheap reserve pick and uh see what he's made of for next year.
1: It's a good point too. He will be super cheap. that will be very very cheap. Could be like that Joe Ryan type, not starting out in the rotation. Could come up at some point and just start. Uh, prospect pedigree shines so. Don't hate that at all. Luis Patino is another one. We saw, we know the pedigree was there with the Padres, came over to the Rays, kind of an up and down season. Sometimes he went deep, sometimes he didn't. Mm-hmm. Jason Collette, I was asking him one day, I'm like, the lefties are just crushing him. Didn't have an out pitch against them. Maybe he'll work on that some more. But the stuff overall seems pretty good. What are you thinking about Luis Patino?
2: Yeah, it's hard not to be impressed with Patino, too, if you've ever watched him. You can see how it gets there. Even if you didn't catch him on his best day, uh, you're not surprised that that this guy is well regarded and was a huge prospect. Let's not forget that he is just 21 this year, so he'll be going into his age 22 season with about 95 Major League innings under his belt. So he's still a baby in baseball terms. And again, I'll give that same sort of caveat with Ashby where you might be right about him if you love him, but you might not be right till 23. 3 or even 24 to be honest. That doesn't mean you shouldn't draft him this year because that's kind of the nature of prospecting and I know he's no longer qualifies as a true prospect meaning rookie of the year eligibility on prospect lists, but make no mistake. When somebody's you know, age 21 with 95 major league innings, they're still a prospect in terms of uh, uh being unfinished and and have a growth potential. So you have to be open to the fact that you could be early and he might not pan out this year. Uh, he won't be as cheap as somebody like uh, Ashby, but he will not be super expensive. He went in the twenty-second round of that draft that I did, and that's in a range where you uh, you don't you aren't banking on guys. You don't need them to hit to to be uh, okay there. You can take the shot, and if he spikes and he's big, he could be your 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 big breakout of the year. Or you could cut him three weeks into the season because he just doesn't have it, and he has a 14% walk rate after his first five starts, and you say, I I can't deal with this right now. But the foundation is there. The arm talent is there. Heavy velo, has has some secondary stuff that works against righties, like you mentioned, does need to figure out some things against lefties because he is basically a two-pitch guy right now, and that's what I'm keyed in on. Does Patino come into spring with a third pitch? I'll go back to my point about being on the Rays, a team that is good at developing. I trust them to, to get him to the final step there with that third pitch. So I'll be in on him in the twenties rounds, but if he does get some helium that bumps him into the teens rounds for Patino, then I would probably pass because I do think there's still a, a wide band of volatility here.
1: Yeah. I'm with you there. Like there's so much positive, but the, the, when we're off the rails, it went off the rails. So it it can really
2: hit you. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier about taking those, those Mm -hmm. dents to your ratios for the for the potential upside of guys, people don't talk about that enough too. When they're talking about Ooh. streaming and the yeah. and and going for younger players, the hit that they can do before they're off your team can be long lasting.
1: Especially because they have that shorter leash. It's like if a veteran goes and gives up four runs, well, Johnny Quato's still going to go six innings if he can get there. Bingo. Where like a Patino, like nope, see ya. We're going to get He's you out, out of here after right two. Now. Yep, that's, that's a great call. Ratios look a lot different. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like that's why I, I caught a lot of flack this year saying, Why are you doing this two-star guy? And it's like, Well, I need him. Well, no, you don't, but I talk a lot
2: of flack. It's, yeah, do, it's like, it's, do do you need him? If, unless you're in a points league where basically if he doesn't fall on his face, he can get you yeah. something. Uh, other than that situation, those two-star guys, like you said, they were so risky this year. Streaming mm-hmm. was a was tight, meaning it was very, very difficult to find an edge. Definitely. Uh,
1: let's talk about uh, we talked about some youngsters here. Let's talk about a veteran here, Adam Wainwright. The dude just ageless wonder, ageless wonder right now, looking great. He was awesome in the booth. I hope to God he gets a job somewhere in a booth later on because that is what we need is more of that. Uh, So Wayne was awesome, and he already got his extension. Yeah, he already got his extension, so he's going to be pitching next year yet again. But how much should we be buying into this like 17-win, low-three ERA season?
2: Well, here's the thing, uh, but uh, uh, on the, on the booth thing, like I said, so real, like gave like yep. real thoughts, didn't always come like up with his friends. Exactly. And I loved some of this, like, he just seemed like a real dude. Exactly. And that's what I mean by that realness. So I, I, I loved that. By the way, I have some bias toward him. He was a waiver pickup for me uh, in that main event winner. And I, I, I love him for it. And I even made one of my biggest gut calls of the year. There was no basis for it. It could have easily blown up in my face. I'm not, I'm not saying I deserve credit for it in terms of being savvy. It was just one of those things that sometimes you make a move. Yeah. I started him in Coors for no good reason. Like I, he did not have a two star. There was no backing. It was, it was a pure gut feel based on the fast, fact that I'd watched his previous three starts all the way through and just thought he was dialed in. And I was like, He could survive here. Coors beats everybody, so he could also get killed. I'm going to take a shot. It was on July 1st, too. So I knew I had enough of a window to maybe overcome it if he gave up seven earned. But he threw eight innings, two run balls. So I love Wayne. But anyway, putting that bias aside, um, be careful. Because age remains undefeated. He's still going to be 40. The skills weren't markedly different. It's just everything worked around him. And he was good last year, too, in, in the, in the two-month season. So you can really add up about 270 innings of great work. But go look at 18 and 19 and understand that you could also get that. Now, if you got 172 innings of a 419 ERA, you might not think that that's too bad. But a, but a 143 whip is pretty tough to eat. And if he goes where he went in this draft, I'm only giving you one – One uh, data point here with this draft. I'm not saying this is where everyone's going to go, but he went in the seventh round. He was picked 105. That's rich. rich. I'm not paying that.
1: Like, would you rather do Joe Ryan or Adam Wainwright?
2: uh, Ryan, you know, and it's just because he's going to be markedly cheaper and uh, he's not nearly as old. And I think that the age factor here and just the body potentially breaking down, even without warning, right? And this Verlander was an even stronger bet than Wayno right there was no reason to be off of Verlander statistically you could not find a single issue age got him though and he and he had to get TJ that happens all the time age always wins out so if he's a single digit round cost Wayno I can't do it once you start getting into the double digit rounds I would be interested in venturing in but I'm probably just going to find other guys I I thank him greatly for what he did for my team this year and for how cool he is on on But that doesn't mean I'm going to make a bad pick in fantasy and take him in the seventh-eighth round. And I, I shouldn't say bad pick. That That's a little too harsh. Uh, but I, I do think it's a little bit of a, an aggressive pick there because you're really banking on ratios with no uh, strikeout foundation to fall back on.
1: Well, it's like the whole most guys – not all, but most guys going in that range, their ceiling should, is usually a lot higher than Bingo. what we're like, – even if Wayne O pitches well, we can't expect as well as he did last year. So now no. we're thinking what – you know, maybe a quality start guy, four or five ERA, six innings here and there, maybe 10, 11 wins. That's not a seventh-round pick, unfortunately. So it makes things much more difficult. Like Charlie Morton's another guy that I'm going to have a hard time with this year because he, he proved me so wrong this last year. I thought there was no chance. I already got his deal. He's locked in. He loves Atlanta. He even looked good so far in the postseason. I'm like, how do you not like this guy? But father time, like you said, it's undefeated. That's it shows the up thing. a different time, but it's undefeated.
2: <laughs> it will always win. You just don't know when that game ends. Yeah. Just real quick, because you mentioned Morton. He went in the same seventh round there uh, with Wayno. So I want to ask you, it, 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 when I name a name that you would take Wayno over, go ahead. I'm just going to give you the seventh and eighth round pitchers real quick. Yeah. Uh, Max Fried, McCullers, Morton, um, Logan Webb in the seventh. That's going way up, by the way, of course. Yeah. Rodon, Dylan Cease, Montas, then Wayno. Then Tyler Molly and then uh, Shane McClanahan, Chris Bassett. You taking Wayne all Over any of those? I don't think so. I don't I think really so don't. either. And it's, it's not to crap on the because I, I, I know the person who made this pick and yeah. if they listen. You made a great pick right after that when you took Tyler Molly. I yeah. just think you're paying full freight for Wayno with too much risk and not enough upside.
1: It's, it's the old saying, don't pay for last year's stats.
2: Bingo. And that's and exactly that's like, what's happening here.
1: And like you sure, you could do that with guys like you know Juan Soto and stuff. That's a different story. Like, but we're talking about these guys that have, are coming up here and you know, last year, like you said, you got him on the waiver wire for crying out loud. And mm-hmm. now he's a seventh round pick. Like of a 15 teamer, I got him on the yeah, waiver wire. Like, so let's He's still going to be good. Like we're both saying he's not going to be a bad guy, but yeah. let's get him in round like 14 yeah. <laughs> or something.
2: That, That's something. That's where I'm at. I got to yeah. get him in like a, a 12 yeah. to 15 round range, yeah. and I'm looking to stabilize my innings, uh, and he would fit into a team mold like that. But I I, I can't take Wayno in a single-digit round. I wish him the best, but it won't yeah. be on my team if that's the price. Well,
1: let's talk about a guy that I'd almost even be willing to take this guy over Wayno at this point so in too. life. Is Ranger Suarez, who, if you guys followed last year, you know he's in the bullpen, gets the closing gig. Everyone spends a ton of money. They're like, oh, we're gonna put him in the, in the starting rotation, kind of ease his way in there. So some of like I thought, okay, it'll be kind of a weird finish to the season. No, he might have won fantasy leagues. The dude oh, was <laughs> ridiculous. So talk about helium. Logan Webb's gonna have helium. Ranger Suarez should as well. Where do you see him and uh, going in twenty twenty two?
2: By the way, I'm with you. Where I was like, how's this gonna work? I had actually picked him up for saves. Oh, Thankfully. Him. Pardon me. I dropped them after they took him out of the closers' role. I got lucky that I didn't, <laughs> just because I didn't have to. It was one of those yeah. things where he was on the chopping block, but then when I did all my moves that week, he survived because I and had other guys Andrew. to cut, <laughs> and I got super lucky. So yeah, exactly. You know, it's not, I think sometimes we don't acknowledge our luck. uh You know, starting Wayno and Coors for no reason, keeping Ranger Suarez after he transitions to the rotation when you. I did not think it was going to be anything special. I just, like I said, I had another week with him that I could kind of wait and see. And when he threw five and two thirds, no hit innings across his first two starts, three innings, and then two and two thirds, even though it was small samples, I was like, (laughs) I'll hang on to this just to see. And he still didn't even get till five to five innings until his fifth start. But once he got going, holy smokes Bubba he was yeah. unbelievable so I think there is something here they're going to keep him as a starter they've already said that that's not changing he is another one of these two pitch guys though he really leaned on the changeup more this year with a fastball he was really fastball changeup, which seems like an odd two pitch mix right you have nothing breaking it was kind of an eight percent show me slider I I will be curious to see if he can uh, expand the arsenal a little bit, maybe make that slider a little bit less than a, sh- a little bit more than a show me pitch. That would be my concern. But he did have a platoon split, but it was a 600 OPS against righties, 311 against lefties. He's a left hander. For those that don't know about Ranger Suarez, so even though it was a big, almost 300 point platoon split, the 600 against righties that plays. My concern would be if that balloons, though. If if he's more of like a 500. OPS against lefties, but then an 800 against righties. That would be my concern. So I like him. I will be curious where his market price is in any of these early mocks that I do. I'm going to expressly not take him because I want to see where the market is around me. Yes. So he went in the 10th round of this draft. I'm not fully against that. I want to see if he lives in a double-digit round because if he creeps into the single digits, there's probably going to be other guys I like, but I'm very intrigued by his stats and the uh, and the upside here with Ranger Suarez. So I don't think he's a stone-cold fluke, but I'd be, I'd be reluctant to pay a, a premium for him just because he is a two-pitch guy who just transitioned out of the bullpen out of nowhere. But he's 26, did have swing and miss, so there's the good and the bad. Bottom line, if I get him like a 12th rounder and a 15-teamer, I think that's my sweet spot.
1: Yeah, that'd be ideal. I think he sneaks into the single numbers, unfortunately, but we'll have to right. wait and see. Big fan of his strikeout stuff, because even mm-hmm. if he starts giving up a few runs, the strikeout stuff travels. So big fan there. Talking about strikeout stuff, let's go to the Chicago White Sox. Season might have ended early, but we get Michael Kopeck time. Finished the season very, very, very strong out of the bullpen and hopefully makes his way to the rotation this next year. Still threw about 69.1 innings this year. Nice. What's your thoughts on him for twenty twenty two? Because like we want him to get unleashed, but I think they're gonna they're taking it easy with him
2: for good reason. Absolutely, they're being smart here with with, with their prized uh, you know again prospect in in terms that he's still very nascent in his career, even though he doesn't qualify for prospect lists. I thought at some point he might transition into the rotation uh, first off to kick out Keiko because of how bad he was. But then I thought maybe he and Cease might switch spots just to protect Cease's innings a little bit and give a little bit more volume to Kopech. Instead, they just went with more extended relief outings. He was pitching two, three innings pretty regularly there in August and September and pitching well, as you, as you point out, the strikeouts are great. They travel. We know that the talent is there. It's a matter of what you think the innings count's gonna be next year. I think he can double plus a bit more. So about 150 to 160 is probably the max. Um and after this after the 69 this year. So do with that what you will. We're in an era now that 150 60 innings. Plays a lot better than it did five, six, seven years ago when that was just too low of an innings count to really be an impact starter. It's a different game now, so you can do that. Will they will they start him in the rotation, or will they uh, uh, start him in the bullpen and then finish with him in the rotation? Either way, I think you have to be committed to sticking it out if they start with him in the bullpen so that you can get him when he goes to be a starter in May or whenever they decide to do it. But I do think that you're still going to be smart about his innings and keep it around that 150 mark. For me, that puts Kopech in that early double-digit round, and if he starts creeping into the single digits, that's, again, where I'm going to have to pass. So it's it's a different setup than Ranger Suarez, but it's the same kind of sweet spot that I'm looking at, like a 10th through 12th round situation that I would be interested in. In fact, we, my partner Greg Martin, and I took Kopeck in the 12th round, pick 176, and we felt pretty good about that.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. He reminds me going to this release for me now, and I was so wrong on Julio H- Urias last year, but I thought they were going to kind of take it easy with them, work him out, and everything. Something like, or Jesus Lazardo, or something like mm-hmm. that, and that kind of mindset. I figured that, that I, I see them doing something similar to that. I Have them stretched out by the end, 2023. We rock and roll is kind of where I see Kopeck going. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Luis Castillo, trials and tribulations have all been talked about many, many times. I had a lot of Luis Castillo, and I finished with him, thank goodness, did not drop him, because basically Smart. June on, back to the guy. So where are you looking at him for 2022?
2: You know, it was, it was really interesting, and he's had a bit of a cold weather thing, uh, where his splits break down, you know, 75 and degrees and above, really great below is when he starts to struggle that didn't fit perfectly for those early season struggles in the first two months. There were definitely some bad uh, cooler weather games that might've fit the mold there, but then there were others where he did well. It was just an up and down thing where his command and control just were not there inning to inning, pitch to pitch, let alone game to game type deal with Castillo. But turned that corner in June and was back to his untouchable self for the bulk of the remaining 4 months ended up with a 273 ERA and everything in the underlying stats was saying don't cut this guy yeah. in April and May so hopefully people listen to that you might have reserved him because he was hitting your ERA's pretty hard ERA and ratio pretty hard but if you cut him i think that was a mistake even without the hindsight of knowing he threw a 273 over the final 4 months because the metrics were there I'll still take him pretty early. I've been a Castillo backer from day one. I, I, I would be open to taking him. Yeah,
1: I'm with you. I'm hoping I can get him in the third round. Yep, we'll see. We'll see where things go. Would you rather have Castillo or Nola?
2: I'm a Castillo guy. I'd, I'd go him. I go. You Castillo. and I are
1: on the same page there. But again, I'm a Castillo guy too. So bias is going to be a part of that. Luis Severino. Uh, we know when he was healthy a couple years ago, things were looking good. Obviously, uh, went through his surgeries and everything, and he came back out of the bullpen this past year. Should be ready to rock and roll. We don't know for how long, but start of 2022. Um, What's your takes on him going into the next season?
2: Yeah, I think he's going to be one of these guys that also uh, his price jumps as – draft season goes so if you are drafting early in any of these uh fall and winter drafts count for for next year as opposed to being just a mock you're going to want to get in on the severino picks there because that's where he's going to be cheapest and then as reports uh you know if we get any off-season reports he's throwing the side sessions he's developed a new pitch or whatever and if there's nothing before that then spring once people see him in spring training mound pitching well his price will go way up i think he's going to end up probably in like the fifth to seventh round range and I'm hoping to pay more nine to 11 round here in the fall and winter drafts for Severino, but he's definitely going to be somebody that's going to catch a lot of helium. The second that people feel confident about him in spring. So uh, I'm open to that. I like that. He finished the season on the mound. I don't care that it was only six innings. I just like to see that somebody's healthy and ready to go. Same with Thor, right? He had those two brief stints. The second one wasn't even that good, but he finished the season on the bump. And so same for Severino. I think he's going to be somebody to watch. And even as a fifth rounder, he might be a bargain because he he's shown ace upside. We know how great he can be. Just back in 2018, we're not that far removed from a brilliant season for him, but it has been quite a while. I guess my question back to you would be, what do you think his innings workload looks like next year with just six this year in the majors and another uh, another uh, about 12 in the minors, 10, 12 in the minors?
1: That's the big thing. My innings is concerned. I wonder if they... Send them down to, like, the Dominican or something. I don't know how that's going to go with COVID so or everything. Italy, yeah. To go go get some innings down there, which would be big. I would say 150, 160. I could yeah. feel good. Like a Lance McCullers. I think, think that's he, right. Think, think what the Astro did with McCullers. As long as things are healthy and nothing's changing, I see that kind of workload. And if that's the case, he could still pay off a fifth or sixth round value with his ace-like stuff. Big so, time. With you there, 100% um Halsey Cesaro mentioned him earlier everyone loves the talent this it just has not translated completely we saw the hiccups goes to Miami still didn't really go good but then finished very very strong this realist back in Paul so where do you I stand cuz i'm still scared but i know the the talent is ridiculous
2: yeah I, I would have to uh copy that 100% say that i'm i'm definitely terrified but i understand that i can't just throw them out either i don't kind of go full Um, you know, recency bias and say, well, he was bad this year, throw him out. No, can't do that. I did think, and again, not hindsight, did not think he was going to melt down this year. I did think last year's price or, or the 21 price was a little high coming in. He was a top 100 pick and he hadn't quite, shown me enough in 20 that said that he was a top 100 type guy I still liked him kind of right outside of that so I was not negative Lazardo. I was just a little tepid on his price and drafts uh, and of course he had the meltdown his command and control were completely gone he couldn't he couldn't have gotten us out he probably would have blocked both of us at the dish uh, or given up a home run to at least one of us I think you could definitely hit him out but uh, <laughs> there's still arm talent there for sure 96 from the left side when he's on, he's missing bats, looking strong. The walk rate was the surprising thing because that's never really been an issue for him. That's how you can tell that things were just off because he doubled his walk rate pretty much. Home runs were through the roof. I still really like him. If the price is right, and that's really what it's going to boil down to, and that's really what it boils down to for anybody, as long as he's costing something in the 20th, 20 round, 20th or later, pardon me, uh, that's when I'll be in. If he starts to creep up and gets offseason helium because people are writing him up across the fantasy community or because, you know, new pitch or, again, get into spring and he throws five strong in his second outing and the helium goes up, I'll probably pull back. But as long as he's living in the, say, 20 to 24 round range, I can be in on Lazardo taking that shot because the risk is, is mitigated by the price.
1: Yeah, I, I can see that for sure. Let's talk about another injury, uh, injured arm in Griffin Canning, who a lot of people were in on this past year, but uh, just could not stay healthy, chose not to have surgery. Lots of questions going with Griffin Canning. So, are you just in or out on him next
2: year? I'm out. Uh, too many questions. Uh, some too many issues prior to those questions popping up with the health, and so it's one I'll watch from afar. And, uh, to use a phrase that you said earlier, I'll be okay being wrong on him if he pops off. I was actually in on him coming into the year, so this is a guy that I'm kind of moving away from just because there's too many issues. The home runs have been persistent throughout his major league career. 209 innings with a 1.6 homer nine. That that's very high. I like that he can miss bats. I think there's even strikeout upside at at peak. I feel like he could be more of an upper 20s percentage guy. He's 24% right now. I think he could be a 28 to 30% guy with his stuff when it's really cooking. But can he keep the ball in the yard enough? That's my big question. And well, beyond the health, the health is the overarching question. You can't get through that and even start asking the secondary questions until you know his health. So it's hands-off for me right now. It is something I would revisit in spring right he comes in healthy looking good great but i'll miss the great discounts in this uh in in the fall and winter drafts because i'm not taking him right now even at round 39 which is where he went in the draft that i was in. i know that's that's free like that's nothing but i'm probably looking at other other players beyond that just right now because there's too big of a question mark and it leans toward the negative for me that he's just going to end up having to get tj anyway yep
1: yeah, I get, I get frustrated when guys choose not to have the surgery. I get it. I wouldn't want to get cut on either, but uh, it makes it tough for the fantasy purpose in us to uh, to trust
2: those things. Well, it, and it's tough when when it seems like that is really going to be the answer. And I, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I get them not wanting to go under, right? It's easy for us to say, just do it. Uh, TJ is easy. TJ has a very high success rate, but it's not yeah. guaranteed. There are still guys who, who lose from it. They don't come back at all. They don't come back the same. So I get it. But when it's the obvious answer, and I don't even know if it was TJ with him or if it was a different surgery, but he eschewed surgery and then ended up with, I think a lower back fracture and this and that everything just started piling up. So I'm going to step back right now and let it happen. And if, if things improve, then I'll be back in on canning. I'll be rooting for him for sure. Mm -hmm. I just won't have him on very many teams.
1: Cleveland, as we know, they, they're they kind of sailing people and doing this and that, but they, do, they know how to, to work with pitching. They've yes, done this they very, do. very well. Eli Morgan, Tristan McKenzie, two guys that were asked about on this. We saw McKenzie throw phenomenally towards the end. Eli Morgan kind of surprised me with putting some good starts together. Where do you see them in 2022?
2: Morgan was one of those guys that, that caught my eye and, and I can't really say he paid any major dividends outside of a, a couple of DFS streams that uh, that didn't didn't work out or didn't fail too, too spectacularly because he had some really brutal outings. He showed you that volatility, yeah. but he was one of those guys that I blindly trusted Cleveland on. And like I said, just took a shot on him in DFS as my secondary pitcher type deal. Uh, but I've got a little star next to him for next year because he will be a dollar guy. He'll be he'll be free in drafts. And I think there is something to build off of here. And again, I give Cleveland a, r- a lot of credit with what they do with their guys. They've earned that credit for me. So you got a 26-year-old next year in Morgan who doesn't throw super hard. He's kind of their, their prototypical guy. They they find guys that their fastball is not their best pitch. They have secondary stuff that's good. They don't walk guys, but he needs to figure out the home runs. I'd almost trade some walks to get the home runs back in order. This is where you can see the distinct difference between command and control. Eli Morgan has control. He does not have command control is just putting it in the zone, just filling up the strike zone. Command is putting it where you want, whether in or out of the zone. He does not have that. That's what he needs to work on. But there's a foundation there that makes him a viable $1, $1 play McKenzie of all these guys, starting back with Kluber, the Kluber and Carrasco uh, uh, breakthroughs, Carrasco was a, a regener- uh, not, not regenerate rejuvenated prospect that they had. Uh, a reclamation project was the actual phrase I was looking for. But Kluber was a, a discovery of their own. But those two guys came around the same time. Since that period of Cleveland being elite at pitching, I think McKenzie's the best prospect, the best raw talent that they've had out of all of them. Bieber, Savali, um, Uh, Bauer came over. Obviously, he was a pretty high prospect, but uh, I think McKenzie might be the best prospect that they've had that they've developed in their own system. And with what they've done with guys who have had lesser talent, I'm really excited about him. The thing looming over his head is the health, he's built like me, which is not great for baseball 6'5, 165. He's a toothpick out there. They call him, I think his nickname is Dr. Sticks. And there are questions about whether or not a frame like that can hold up to 30 starts a year and to this point he's had a lot of issues with injuries but the raw talent is awesome and i will take a shot on mckenzie because i think the injury risk is built into his price tag he went in the 17th round of this draft that was picked 248 i think Great. he'll live somewhere between between 220 and 280 pick and I'll take him anywhere in yeah. that range and that covers the injury cost one thing I don't like when people do is you you bring up somebody like that you say oh, I picked him at 220 say well, what about the injury that's why he's 220. yeah if you eliminated the injury risk he'd be picked 150.
1: if he's making 40 one, starts he way up
2: yeah like yeah. like if you if you didn't have that risk He'd be way up, so don't double count a negative on somebody and say I can't take him because of the health. When you're paying pick two fifty, because that's why he's two fifty. But I really like both guys: uh, Morgan for deeper leagues as a flyer, McKenzie for more of a uh, more of a six seven starter guy, fifth six seven starter guy on your team that you have some expectations for, but that you might have to jump off of because of the health.
1: Yep, fair enough. Let's do a couple of quick hitters here, and we'll, we'll wrap okay. this up. Jordan Montgomery. We saw the highs. We saw the lows. Some people love him. Your boy, Nick Pollock, big Jomo fan. So what are we doing with uh, Jordan Montgomery?
2: He's the one who got me in on, on, on Jomo, so I'm I'm, st- I'm staying there with Nick. Actually, I don't know if he is still in on him or not going into next year, but I think we've seen what he can do now for a couple uh, of full seasons in 17 and 21. I know those are pretty spread out, but that goes back to what we were saying about looking at the whole picture. Um, I think a repeat of 2021 is fine. I don't need him to necessarily grow beyond this. For his price and where he's at, if you can get a repeat of, of 2021, surely you would be happy with that in the 12th to, uh, I would say maybe 10th to 14th round area. That's probably where Jormont's going to go. Uh, I, I was calling Jormont. I like, I like Jomo though. I hadn't I had thought about that one. That's a good one too. But that's kind of where he's going to go. I think that's a fair price for what he offers. There's probably not a ton of upside at age 29, but I like him, Jordan, uh, Jordan Montgomery.
1: Yeah, Jormont's more like Game of Thrones. Jomo's like the back streets of the Bronx. So. That, that's right.
2: Uh, Jormont, it was from Game of Thrones. I never yeah. watched that, but that's what Nick calls him, I think. Yes.
1: Um, Drew Matt. Drew Rasmussen. The dude. Like every time I thought the Rays were going to raise, I was like, ah, I'm going to stay away because they're going to limit them. They're going to do because the Rays. Dude was, the dude was freaking ridiculous. So the, what if, are we he doing next five year? Five
2: scoreless. Right. Yeah. yeah and. I think this was the yo-yo year and next yep. year hopefully we get a little bit less raising and and a, a bit more consistency. There'll still be some some raise shenanigans in there where he throws 3 innings for no real reason yep. and it blows up, you know, the first start of a two-start week. But you got to love the talent and their development goes a long way if they really get him into that uh into that third pitch to go with the fastball and slider the sky's the limit, but even as a two pitch guy, I think he can be a quality five and dive and he can rack up dubs because of their team being good. So I like Rasmussen a lot.
1: Justin Verlander coming off TJ in or out.
2: I mean, Bubba, if he's, if he resigns with the tigers, how can I, say I know? How? I know your
1: love, your love for I, this man.
2: I mean, he's my literal favorite pitcher ever. I um, i w I'll be open. I'll be open to buying him. I, I can't quit him. And if he's back healthy, I'm gonna be in, and the price will be fair enough, I think too. Yeah. Like, what do you think the max price? Uh, let, let me give you the scenario: comes That's into up. spring with the Tigers looking sharp. What What do you think the max price would be if he's re, If he rejoined the Tigers and looks sharp in spring, where do you think he would peak price wise?
1: Man, he's got to be fourth or fifth round.
2: Okay, so I, I'm okay with that. Camper like him, him or Severino so you got. Him. I'm gonna go, Jay. Ah, oh, man. I'm gonna go, Sebby. I think I got because I,
1: my my thing with Verlander. I think I had this conversation like a month ago on a show. The the thing I'm not worried about him with it comes to innings after injury, he's just gonna go. They exactly. sign him. It's like it's like the Charlie Morton thing or whatever. They sign him to throw. If his arm falls off, they don't care anymore. Like exactly, the, he's throwing, and he won't let you take the ball. So I was going to say go. he's on board yeah. for that too. So let me just go it's out. It's different than like pitch. a young arm where they'd be like, no, you got to slow play it. Like he's going once he that. So that gives me a little more confidence in taking him higher, but still the risk is still there. Sandy Alcantara, how high is too high?
2: Man, speaking of Nick Pollock, I, I gave him some trouble for some of his rankings of him early when he really wasn't performing. But to Nick's granny, he was saying, I'm, I'm betting on the come. I, I hear what you're saying about these stats right now and where he falls short, but I believe in this guy. This is my guy. This is my guy. And by season's end, Nick yeah. was proven right uh, fully to say, stay in on this guy. Do not give up. How's high too high? First round is like the only thing that's too high. I think you okay. can take him in the second round. I really, I really do believe that. I'm not saying I necessarily would, but I'm not going to balk at somebody who does that.
1: I basically, I'd put him where Giolito was last year. Yep. That, and that's that like
2: mid second round, isn't yep. it?
1: Yep, so that's where Bailey Ober, we hinted at. They started out rough, but it kind of got better towards the end. We saw some strikeout stuff too. Are you in on him like, you know – later on in drafts this year
2: yeah and i play a lot of deeper formats so somebody like that like guys like that and uh who was it eli morgan like they are in our purview because we play deeper leagues and i'm not saying deeper leagues are inherently better i'm just saying no, no, no. you have different pool no considerations pool. Yeah. exactly <laughs> um i watched an inordinate number of his starts not just against the tigers either just for some reason i probably watched like seven bailey game, games, games, yeah, <laughs> yeah like I, I don't know what it was but i've seen a lot of him bottom line I like it. The home runs are an issue, and that's going to be the one thing I'm going to look for. Can he, can he suppress those a bit more? But he doesn't walk, guys. The same thing that we mentioned earlier. He's not in the caliber of the guys we, we invoked, like Verlander and Scherzer. But he has that vibe of like, I'll give up a solo shot because that doesn't kill me. Um, I, I think he's intriguing. And at age 26, there's, there's something to like here with his strikeout foundation and the control that he has. Keep an eye on him as a dollar guy.
1: Zach Gallen, we saw him kind of come back towards the end of the year. Are we buying back into a higher pick like last year? Or are you kind of still hesitant on him?
2: It's really going to depend on the price, and if he's trending um, in the in the mid single digit round, say say six to six to eight. I'm probably out. If I can go in that 9-11 range, which I don't know that I'm going to be able to, uh, that's when I would get in. But that, I, I think those are going to be the outlier picks. So mostly out on Gallon because of yeah. price. But I still love the talent. I'll still be cheering him on. I just won't have him on very many teams. Same and that's not the- a hedge, by the way. I'm not yeah. going to say no, I no. was right. Uh, But, you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to hedge there. I'm out on drafting him if the price is expensive. But if he's... No, that's, that's
1: one of the things that's always hard when you do shows, I do shows, we write content. It's like, it's not that we don't like guys, is prices it's all there's about pricing? Yeah, that's yep. like, that's all it is. Like, we like Zach Gallon, but he's gonna go to someone's gonna like him more than we do for and sure. That's just the bottom line. Um, last two Max Fried, not many were better than him in baseball last month or so of the season. Going into the season, though, a lot of people are skeptical on him. Are we buying into the finishing Max Fried? Or are we still worried about the fly ball rate and that stuff?
2: I'm a Max Freed guy, so I have a bias that says I would you know, a little bit of confirmation bias there, and I try to mitigate that, but I'm just going to be honest that it's there because I already liked him coming in, and I believed that he could achieve a higher level. So I'm in, and I think the price is actually going to be fair because I don't think the full community is, meaning I don't think he's going to go in the first five yeah, that's rounds. True. So if he's going pick 80 or later, that, that's a good price for Freed.
1: Yes, give me a, a fifth round pick on Freed or something as my SP2. Let's go. Let's go yep. right now. Last pick, the last pitcher here, Alec Manoa. People spent early on him last year, spent big, maybe had the best return out of the early pitching options. Obviously, Adelis Garcia might take the cake for what took place last year, but Alec Manoa was awesome, had a couple hiccups, but overall, beast. They let him go. There's really no innings concerns. What's your thoughts on Manoa next year?
2: That's what I loved, by the way, is that they turned him loose. And I think you're you're right. He might be the best high-dollar pitcher fab acquisition, uh, uh, out there, you know, so many guys flopped and at least Garcia is a good call from early with the hitters, but I love Manoa. I, I became a huge fan this year. I can't say I was in on him coming into the year, but once I got to see eyes, uh, once I got eyes on him in the majors, I fell instantly. My only trepidation early was, are they going to limit his innings? They told us relatively early into his 20 starts that, Hey, we have no limit. We need him. We're going to push him. And he was awesome. Um, I think he's a stud. I think he might have a a pullback year next year where he's more of like a 380, 118 whip kind of guy with a boatload of strikeouts. That'd be fine. And then jumps, you know, again, not linear. Not everything has to go up, up, up. He might jump back a little bit. I would pay for that though. I'm fine with 380, 118 or whatever it was I said. I like Alec Manoa. I know you said be quick. I love him. He was a sixth round pick in this draft, pick 80. I'll pay that all day. I would pay as high as – I'd probably buy him in the fourth round if my setup was right here's the pitchers that went Peralta Flaherty and that's it for starters I wouldn't be averse to putting Manoa there that's how much I like him I'm a very big Manoa fan but you don't have to pay for it I'm just saying that is yeah, the no, high end that I would pay
1: that's a good grouping though because I've always been kind of worried with Flaherty even before and he got hurt too. Like I was, even before he got hurt like people can go back and listen I've always been hesitant on Flaherty Peralta is the interesting one, but I still think you're paying too much for him. For like, he's still very good, but there's still a lot of
2: Volatility. question marks. Yeah, a lot I, of question marks.
1: Like when he's good, he's good, but he still only goes five or six. Like he's not going deep. And if if he's not locating that fastball and the slider's not effective, pray for him. He got so, nothing. Yeah. So I Manoa's great. Manoa went up against the big boys in the East. And he exactly. did it in Buffalo. He did it, like, in Dunedin. He did it. And then he went to Toronto with a humidor, which is great, too. So he took on everything. He went into New York and just faced the Bronx. Like, I love a Fenway, him. yeah. And like, in, the, what... in the end, fantasy is supposed to be fun. Baseball is supposed to be fun. And like you said, when you get eyes on this kid and you watch him pitch, how is that not fun? Yeah, like, this kid is great. loving life. I know that's mm-hmm. not the end all be all when you make a pick. It doesn't hurt, though. It's like, yeah, this I guy mean... is fun to
2: you want to win. You want to get them titles. Yes. You want to get that cash. 100%. But when you can do it with players that you like and you enjoy, yeah. and that's why I don't really begrudge folks that, like, they don't want to take domestic violence, guys. and things yeah. like. I, I understand that because you you are still trying to have fun, and there's other people who say, I'm just trying to win. I'm just putting numbers on paper. I think both are right. I lean yep. more toward the I want to have fun, though. So if it's between Manoa and Flaherty, I've had the same concerns on Flaherty even before injury that you've had. So I'm taking Manoa. I love this kid.
1: Yeah, big, big fan. But I'm also a big fan, Paul, of your work. So I appreciate you joining me again, as always. Before we sign off, um, remind everybody
2: what you got coming up, where they can find you all that good stuff. So I've been doing these roster reviews that uh, are going to kind of take me through the rest of the month and into early November, just kind of looking at each team through the fantasy prism. Uh, It's very basic stuff. It's like how many guys had one or more save and then list all those guys. How many guys had 100-plus Ks, 65-plus runs? And then I do a Best Buy and On the Rise and Off the Radar and a Hot Take for 2022 with each. Uh, with each team, and it's just a kind of a way to break down the season and get a few players' names to talk about for the next year. I'm doing those all the way through over at Fangraphs, Uh The podcast will still be going, like I said, and then November's going to start to kick into high gear. I think we're going to do position weeks. Like, we'll have a first base week where everything is just breaking down first baseman with all our writers at Fangraphs. Uh, so each position have tons of off-season stuff. So twitter.com slash spore, twitch.tv slash spore, and fantasy.fangraphs.com. You get your full fill of me. And uh, if you love baseball, again, I got you all off season. and We do not stop.
1: It is great to hear. And he's uh, definitely telling the truth there. So lots of great stuff there. And what else is great, Paul? I look forward to seeing you in like 48 hours or so. Can't or take. wait. I yeah, hope everything goes well with your flight, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm a late one. Same with you. Like you're still Thank good you. to go. Mine already got rescheduled once. So let's see how this goes. But uh, hope to see you in Arizona. Safe travels, my friend. And thanks for joining me.
2: Thanks, Bob. Same to you. Take care.
1: All right, everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 407 with the one and only Paul Sporer. Catch you all later.